Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, The Eric Erickson Show. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. First of all, a quick programming note, actually a real thank you. Uh, Clark's Christmas Kids, by 8.30 Friday night, which is the first time um, it, we were able to get all the presents needed. Now, this is important because, you know, I use my text messaging service and I get a, an alert every time someone uses the service and gives me the area. And I am on in delay in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma on KRMG and in Dayton, Ohio on WHIO and in Orlando on WDBO and Jacksonville on WOKV. And those stations continuously throughout the night, all night long, had people texting and donating. And so it's not just uh, my audience. It's it's so many people across the WSB market in Atlanta who made that happen. But then these stations outside the state and those in North Carolina and those in Arizona, I saw people texting through. Uh, so all of you across the network, I, I was a little bit skeptical about doing this across the network on Friday because it is kind of Georgia specific, but so many of you across the nation stepped up. Thank you very, very much. Uh, every child in foster care in Georgia will have a present for Christmas. Thanks to you guys. So I appreciate it very much. I know Clark Howard does as well. Tremendous effort. Now, having said all of that. I, I I hate to use the this phrase, but I'm going to. I'm going to be a bit of a turd in the punch bowl on something completely unrelated to that. We need to talk about climate change and what happened this weekend. Because uh, there is a push now through the media and the administration to go climate change on everything. One of the big trends we have seen in the last 10, 15 years is where any significant weather happens, Democrats and the media start screaming climate change. They start screaming that it's all about climate change. Here's the president of the United States over the weekend talking about the terrible tornadoes that ripped through Tennessee and Kentucky, killing uh, hundreds of people. It just The devastation is hard to grasp. Even in the videos and pictures, it's just hard to understand just how awful the situation is there. All that I know is that the intensity of the weather across the board has some impact as a consequence of the warming of the planet and the climate change. The specific impact on these specific storms, I can't say at this point. I'm going to be asking the EPA and others to take a look at that. But the fact is that uh, we all know everything is more intense when the climate is warming. That was the president of the United States, and here's the FEMA director for the president of the United States. The governor of Kentucky called this the most devastating tornado event in his state's history. How unusual is it to see a storm this powerful this late in the year? You know, I think it's incredibly unusual. We do see uh, tornadoes in December. That part is not unusual. Um, but at this magnitude, I don't think we've ever seen one this late in the year, but it's also historic. Um, even this, the severity and the amount of time this tornado or these tornadoes spent on the ground is unprecedented. 
you got that. There are rampant speculations that climate change had something to do with all of this. I want you to go back in the time machine, 64 years. It is December 18th, my wife's birthday, 1957. 25 tornadoes tore through Southern Illinois. 25, there were three EF1 tornadoes, 11 EF2 tornadoes, eight EF3 tornadoes, two EF4 tornadoes, and one EF5 tornado, EF5 being the strongest, most powerful tornadoes. We are coming up on the 64th anniversary of that happening. This is not some sort of random anomaly in American history. It has happened, and people who have no sense of history tend to forget it. There has been an organized push over the past few years about climate change in this country from the media to Democratic politicians. Here's what the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change run by the United Nations says, and this is a quote, attribution of certain classes of extreme weather, e.g. tornadoes, is beyond current modeling and theoretical capabilities. Trends in tornadoes associated with severe convective storms are not robustly detected in climate change models. Those are the facts. Those are the facts. But you don't hear that in the media. What you hear is denialism. Michael Mann is one of the biggest, uh, loudest voices in climate change, has been for years, was on television. He wants censorship of people pointing out these sorts of facts, it sounds like. Here we saw nearly 100 people uh, die from these unprecedented tornadoes. Uh, but if you look at the, the total impact of climate change around the world, um, wildfires, droughts, floods, heat waves, coastal inundation, um, climate change is already costing far more lives than COVID-19. It is deadlier. And so the denial of climate change is deadlier even than the denial of the, the basic science be, behind COVID-19. But here's the difference. There isn't a huge global lobby, the world's most powerful industry, wealthiest and most powerful industry, the fossil fuel industry that has a stake in the COVID-19 debate. And he wants people silenced who are critics. Major media outlets are stepping up to silence uh, critics. I think it's the Los Angeles Times won't allow someone considered a, co uh, a climate change denier to have access to their newspapers. Now, this is the very interesting twist. It's kind of like what they've done with language on COVID. You know, if you support vaccines but are opposed to mandates, the wokes who run the Webster's, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary have redefined uh, anti-vax to mean someone who is not just opposed to vaccines but supports vaccines but opposes mandates. So you're anti-vaccine if you oppose mandates. Even if you support the vaccine, even if you got it yourself, you're considered anti-vax. In the same way, you're a climate change denier if you accept the climate is changing but don't want to do what the left wants us to do about it. They've been doing this for a long time. You know, here's my problem with climate change. And by the way, uh, let me go on record. I think the climate is changing. The climate always changes. I do think humanity has a role to play. 
There are 7 billion people on planet Earth. It is impossible for us not to play a role in a system-wide symbiotic relationship with the rest of the planet. It is impossible for us not to be playing a role. That does not mean, however, that we are the predominant factor. It does not mean there aren't other factors. It's a complicated system, and we base a lot of what we want to do or a lot of what the governments want to do on climate change based on computer models. I think we are involved in causing the climate to change. I do. I also don't care. I know you're supposed to care passionately about this issue. I don't care. I think our role is overstated by a bunch of antagonistic hysterics who think that we have to scare ourselves into carrying out their agenda so that they can get government funding. I think there are things we can do, responsibly should do, but here's the problem. If If we all hold our breath and die tomorrow in the United States and we shut down the entire U.S. economy, you know what? China, Russia, India, Brazil, the BRIC nations, B-R-I-C, Brazil, Russia, India, China, they will continue to output so much into the atmosphere as to offset our cessation of existence. So why should we give up our existence when it's not going to do anything? We can't make China stop and we can't trust China to do the right thing. All the time, China says they're going to do something and they lie continuously. Really, you're going to keep African countries poor so they don't get air conditioner to hold them back so they don't contribute. That's not going to last long. So how about adaptation? We're supposedly an adaptable, evolving species. The the supposed scientists who tell us the world is warming tell us we're an adaptable species, so adapt. If you think the sea is rising, well, look at the Netherlands, build seawalls. You think the world is warming? Well, you know what? It's actually good for crops. You think global cooling is a good idea? Look how many more people die every year of cold than warming. Look at what's happening in Europe. I mentioned this last week. Europe has an energy crisis. They have moved so quickly to renewable energy. It has driven up their costs to the point where they're thinking of, in some cases, having to reopen fossil fuel plants, but also making them dependent on Russian natural gas. We pay, on average, 90 megawatt hours of power in this country. France and Germany are about to pay over 450 megawatt dollars per megawatt hour of energy. It's going to hurt poor people. In fact, every solution that the left comes up with to fight climate change hurts the poor. The wealthy can put their solar panels on their roofs and build their windmills in their backyard and buy their Teslas. You can't. And every time there's a weather event, every time people die, the Democrats rush out to blame all of you, me, and the Republicans for being climate change deniers. I don't deny the climate is changing. I just don't care. I think we have to adapt. I think we can't give up our lifestyle because here's one of the things people forget. In the 1970s, it's true. It is very true in the 1970s. It was global cooling, not global warming. They say, oh, our bad, we made a mistake. It's global warming now. But you know what? They've changed from global cooling to global warming. It's just very interesting to me that the solutions to stop global warming are exactly the solutions they came up with to stop global cooling. Why is that exactly? 
It is a documented historic fact that in the 1980s, the Soviet Union funded a lot of Western environmentalist groups that were seen as anti-capitalist in their solutions. They don't have the Soviets around now. Now they've got Hollywood to fund their anti-capitalist regimes. And from the 1970s in global cooling to the 2000s in global warming, their solutions are always the same. The West must cease to exist on capitalism and the free market. We all need command and control economies. Well, you know what? The largest command and control economy on planet Earth, China, is doing nothing substantive to help with global warming. Do you really believe it will change if we give up capitalism? Of course not. Of course not. Maybe the problem really isn't they're super worried about climate change. Maybe the problem is they're actually super worried about Western democracy and capitalism. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. This is Margaret Hoover from PBS. This is the bread and butter issues that the politics of this is what people are feeling and it's Christmas season and people are trying to buy presents and it's inflation is the insidious tax on the lower and middle income people in this country. Uh, the wealthy are fine. They're able to, they're having, their asset values are increasing. They're doing great, but the middle and lower income Americans are feeling it and it's, it's pressing down. You know, when inflation first became news, the uh, story was that it was transitory, meaning it, it wouldn't last long. And then the Biden administration was dismissive, saying that it was just the wealthy. It was eye-opening and interesting that Ron Klain, the chief of staff for the president, and others within in the administration would grab hold of the talking point that actually inflation is transitory. It's, it's only temporary, and it's really hurting the wealthy. It's not hurting anyone else. That's what they claimed. Let me read you some headlines now. This is from CNBC. Uh, Allianz chief economic advisor, Mohamed El Arian, says calling inflation transitory was a historically bad move for the Fed. Quote, one of the worst inflation calls in the history of the Federal Reserve, he says. From Axios, worker pay isn't keeping up with inflation. For all the hype that wage growth has received this year, Pay isn't keeping up with the price growth. Real earnings or wage growth less inflation turned sharply negative in the last two months after eking out gains over the summer, consumer price data on Friday showed. That's an erosion of spending power, which is a bummer, but for the time being, it takes the edge off worries of a wage price spiral, which happens when higher wages fuel inflation, which fuels the need for even higher wages and so on. The most recent data, of course, doesn't tell us where we're headed, but you can try to extrapolate based on trends, and it seems like this fear of a wage price spiral may not play out. May not, but how do you know? What we do know is that real wages are down because of inflation. Next headline, this is from CNN. Food is more expensive than it has been in decades. Bad news for the American consumer. It's getting more expensive to dine out, and it's getting more expensive to eat at home. Restaurant prices spiked 5.8% over the 12 months ending in November without seasonal adjustment. That's the largest 12-month increase since the year ending January 1982. And unfortunately, for those hoping to curb spending by turning to home cooking, grocery prices are also at record highs. They jumped 6.4%, the largest 12-month increase since December of 2008. Beef has gone up 20.9% in price. Now the last headline, 
69% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of inflation. That's from the ABC News Ipsos poll. This is a problem for the Democrats. And one of the reasons it's a problem for Democrats is because for a month or two, they've said there was nothing they could do. There was nothing the president of the United States could do to fix inflation. And then they started talking about how they were fixing inflation and how they were showing remarkable success. Well, now it turns out no one's crediting them with any sort of success because it's actually not very successful. Prices continue to go up. The supply chain is continuing to have problems. I know more and more people, myself included, who are running into supply chain issues related to Christmas presents. I mean, heck, my Christmas tree came in multiple pieces over a month. The supply chain problems are real. The inflation problems are real. And the only people who seem to be denying it right now are the people closest to Joe Biden. And even they now can't. But it is remarkable. I want to play you a clip from Chuck Todd. Just listen to this clip. It seems as if there's nothing the White House can do to improve their political standing these days. It does feel like every week there's another poll. It's a new bottom. It's a new this. And some of it is out of their control. Mark Murray and I were having a discussion. His two big promises were to get COVID behind us and to get rid of Donald Trump. COVID's not behind us and Donald Trump's still lurking. He's right. Now, a lot of people on the right are blowing him up on that. What I think is notable, though, is that a lot of the conversation in the media is changing, and it comes after a meeting at the White House where they badgered journalists into altering how they were covering Joe Biden when it comes to inflation and the virus. It's really, there's nothing he can do. I, I guarantee you we're going to start seeing them going after Republicans. And the new talking point is the Republicans want the virus to go on. And I suspect their next talking point is going to be Republicans really want inflation to keep going too, because it'll hurt Joe Biden. The problem is Republicans aren't in charge anywhere in Congress or the White House. And it's the Democrats who have the keys to the kingdom when it comes to controlling inflation. And you know what they want to do? They want to pass Build Back Better, dump more money into the economy, heat it up even further. It'll cause more inflation. And they're saying, no, 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 it won't cause inflation. It'll actually help inflation. It's remarkable how everything the Democrats want to do when a new problem arises, they claim what they want to do before the problem arises will solve that problem. Except it won't. And everybody knows it except them. It's the holidays. You deserve a gift, a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every day, all year long, a gift that looks as good as it feels and a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you'll be at work. Let me tell you guys, just forget a script on X chair. I had one of those really expensive multi-thousand dollar desk chairs and I loved it. And I wasn't sure about the X chair, but my gosh, now I've got the X chair and I can't go back. I had to give the other chair to my wife. The X chair has a built-in massager. It's super ergonomic. I ergonomic, ergonomic. I love mine. It's got the massage chair. It can get cool. It can get warm. It can warm my back while I'm sitting in my chair. Your office chair can't do that. It's the perfect time to buy the X chair. And here's their holiday gift to you. Save $100 off your X chair just by purchasing it at xchaireric.com now. That's the letter X chair, E-R-I-C-K dot com. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchaireric.com and save xchaireric.com. 
Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show nationwide from Atlanta. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go first to Rich calling from Atlanta. Rich, welcome to the program. Yes, um, I was just uh, watching the NBC coverage of the, the, the terrible uh, tornadoes up there, and they were talking about the candle factory. And they, just the way they presented it, they interviewed the owner, and they presented it like he forced uh, those workers to be there, and that he should have let them go home, and he, he didn't uh, protect them, as it were, and that it was, they implied it was his fault that this this occurred uh, even though we know we don't know even when a tornado comes in the area where or when it's going to hit but then when they turn to covering what happened at the amazon fulfillment center um they never implied that it was amazon's fault that they had workers there and that those workers were injured or killed so it's just the way they covered it they made it sound like the small business person which was the owner of the kindle factory mm-hmm was responsible, but Amazon, their baby, is not responsible. Right. You know, I'm, I'm glad you made that observation because they really are coming after this. And for people who don't understand what Rich is talking about, there's a, a candle factory in Kentucky. It was running, uh, Mayfield Consumer Products is the company. They have a candle factory. And they were on 24-7 operations to meet Christmas demands. Um, they knew that there was bad weather, but they were not, um, they, they weren't prepared for the tornadoes to come. We do not know why people continued, uh, working eight wound up being killed. However, um, the original number was reported as far higher at the candle factory concurrently. There was an Amazon distribution facility also in holiday mode. And people got killed there. The media seems to have glossed over that one. Uh, Particularly interesting to me, given how much they hate Amazon. Um, It's just, it's a, it's a sad situation all around. Uh, But blaming the owner of the small business, I'm, I'm not sure. I, 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 I'm not sure why they go there, but they did. Uh, and, And I guess at some level of media bias, there were now originally, one of the reasons there was such a, a random conflation of events is there were listed, there are around 100 or so deaths in Kentucky from these tornadoes. There were 110 people who were working second shift at that candle factory making candles for the largest brands. And the tornado came through, uh, devastated the community, and originally, a lot of news reports that first circulated conflated the 110 people who were in the factory with the people who died. And it actually turns out only eight people were killed in the factory. There are eight missing from the tornado. They're working, so they're potentially 16, but it's it's dramatically different. Um, it's dramatically different from where it was uh, the initial reports. It's just, it's sad to see so much antagonism over um, a small business that stayed open to meet consumer demand. But of course, you know, this is kind of typical for what we've seen on even the supply chain crises where 
in trying to defend the Biden administration, the press's response is to largely say, well, it's your fault that there's a supply chain problem because you're buying too much. Time and time again, that's what happens. All right, uh, to the phones we go. John and Fitzgerald, welcome to the program. Hey, Eric, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, Eric, I'm a big fan. I think you're a very smart person. But let me just say this. Four years ago, you were very tough on Donald Trump, and do you feel bad about that now? No. I'm glad I was right, wrong. Um, I, I'm glad I was wrong. That's why I supported him in 2020. Uh, but no, I, I still think character counts. Uh, and I wasn't a fan of either Hillary or, or Trump in 2016, but he proved so me wrong. Then you, then you pick the, you pick the lesser of the two poisons, man. That's just, you're, you're into wisdom and being a smart guy. You pick the lesser of the two poisons. Is that not how it works? Well, I chose not to take any poison. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that's a dream world. That's a dream world. I mean, you're a smart guy, Eric Erickson. You're an intelligent man, and I enjoy listening to you. But in the final analysis, the the tack that you chose, that's a sailing terminology, obviously, the tack that you chose was was not going to be as helpful to the America, to this country as the one you chose where you, you decided to go with the establishment. Well, so I didn't go with the establishment either, John. Um, so I, I did. Uh, I, I went third party in 2016, and and you know Trump was able to get elected without me. And in 2020, I actually said the reason I was going with Trump in 2020 was because in 2016 I'd gone third party. Uh, he was able to get elected without me. It was very clear to me that I was in the minority. And as I always tell people, know when you're in the minority, even when you think you're right. So in 2020 came around and it was him versus Joe Biden. And I said, I mean, I told him we, we had regular conversations about this. Trump was, he's not my favorite person, but I liked a lot of his policies. He actually gave me a lot of policies. I did not expect him to give me. And I felt like I owed him my vote. And at the end of the day, the bottom line was that it's very clear to me. We're either going to have a Democrat or Republican and I'm not going to sit it out. And I have a lot of friends who set it out in Georgia People miss the reason that uh, there was a loss there at the presidential level. As you know, 33,000 people who voted didn't even vote in the presidential line. So for a narrow Biden win, there were 33,000 people who just set it out together. I wasn't going to sit it out. It was not going to sit out 2020. Um, so, yep, I, I did support him in 2016, and I would do it over again. I mean, hindsight is 2020, I realize. But given what I knew in 2016, I would have. And I'm glad to be wrong and admit I was wrong and glad we got great things out of Trump and was glad to throw my support behind him in 2020, uh, he and Mike Pence. Uh, I, I'm very disappointed in his conduct after the election, but compared to Trump or Biden, I would take Trump every day of the week and twice on the weekend. Um, why not? Uh, given what we're getting from Biden, we did not have inflation under Donald Trump. We do now. We did not have uh, all the dead people we now have under Biden didn't have them under Trump. And the Democrats are very sensitive to that claim. But more people have died under Joe Biden with COVID than under Trump. With Trump, we got a vaccine that the Democrats at the time told us not to take because Donald Trump was in charge. And they only told us to take it after Donald Trump was out of the White House. We got that vaccine from Donald Trump. We had gas and energy independence under Donald Trump that we don't have now under Joe Biden. We have a lot of good. Th oh, and by the way, uh, for all of the belly aching over Trump being a stooge of Russia, it's pretty clear at this point, Trump was far harder on Vladimir Putin and Russia than Joe Biden is being.
So would I take him a second term of Trump over Biden? Absolutely. Now, I prefer in 2024, let's see if we can find someone younger. Trump will be Biden's age in 2024. And I don't know. that. I mean, maybe he does want to run again, but there are some younger dynamic people like, for example, Ron DeSantis in Florida. No endorsement, just saying, using him as an example, who has been able to deliver Trump-style policies and fight the media and deliver stunning economic results. Or, you know, I mean, for that matter, not that he wants to do it, but Brian Kemp here in Georgia, he defied even President Trump, reopened the state of Georgia long before anyone wanted him to, defied the healthcare experts, defied even Donald Trump, who was yelling at him to shut it back down, and he refused, stuck to his guns. Georgia, out of the top 10 most populous states, has the best economy now. Its kids got back to school quicker than other states, uh, even outpaced Florida. And, you know, since Kemp is not a 2024 contender, the media overshadows this, as does much of the conservative press, uh, because there is a fixation, understandably so, with Ron DeSantis looking at 2024. But uh, kids in Georgia got back to school sooner, and people got back to work quicker, and more businesses were saved in Georgia because Kemp defied everybody, including Donald Trump, and reopened the state. So I think there are lots of ways to make improvements in 2024, but between Biden and Trump, yeah, I would I would definitely go with Trump a second term. Uh, you cannot look at Biden's administration. You cannot look at it and think that we're getting anything really good. Yeah, sure, you're, you're not getting the mean tweets. You're not getting the bullying. Yes, I get that. But what you're not getting as well is good economic growth. You're not getting... Uh, good education results. You're not getting an administration that has the backs of the poor, even though they claim to. You're not getting an administration that's trying to elevate people out of poor. You're getting an administration that's trying to expand a social safety welfare net in order to keep people poor, but make them comfortable in their poverty. And that's part of the problem with the way progressives look at things in this country. And then you're getting right now this nonsense. John Heileman. John Heileman is was on MSNBC. He's the guy two weeks ago who claimed that one of the things that's going on uh, with the administration and with COVID is that Republicans want to keep COVID going. This was him two weeks ago. It's because if people follow Fauci, there's likely a chance that COVID will go away. And if COVID goes away, it's bad right now for Republicans. It's just the math on this, the political math, and this is not hard to figure out. The political math is not hard to figure out, he says. So in other words, Republicans want to keep COVID going. To hurt Joe Biden. This is John Heileman yesterday on MS or not on MSNBC on Meet the Press. The strength of this Gelman piece is it lays out, first of all, the extraordinary reality that there's this research that shows that something like at least eight percent and maybe as many as twelve percent of the American people now say that Joe Biden was illegitimate and that violence is an appropriate tool to removing him and restoring Donald Trump. That's somewhere between 20 and 30 million people. That's a mass movement in America in favor of political violence, which is a new thing. We've had political violence in America before, lynching many things over the course of time that African-Americans suffered from. But this is 30 million people right now who are ready to take up arms. You put that together with what the president, the former president, I should say, and his allies are doing in the political realm, state houses, state legislatures, and the party apparatus to be able to engineer a situation where they are in a stronger position to pull off a coup in 2024 than they were in 2020. That's not hyperbolic at all. Those are all facts. Those are all facts, he says. That's all. No hyperbole. Right. Can I ask you all a question? Serious question. 
Where is the political violence? Where is the political violence? I think we need an answer to the question. John Heileman on Meet the Press says it's not hyperbole that there is a real pinup frustration, people believing Joe Biden was not president is not president, and believe, believe 20 million people believe they should take up arms to throw him out of the presidency. And concludes his statement on MS or on Meet the Press with this. To be able to engineer a situation where they are in a stronger position to pull off a coup in 2024 than they were in 2020, that's not hyperbolic at all. Those are all facts. Not hyperbolic at all. Those are facts. This is the same man who argued two weeks ago that Republicans want to keep COVID around in order to hurt Joe Biden. I just need to know where's the political violence? Because he says... You got all these people who think Biden is illegitimate and they should take up arms to throw him out of office. Where where are they? Where are they taking up arms to throw him out of office? You know where I see political violence in this country? In Antifa riots and in Black Lives Matter riots. I see it in the organized smashing grabs around the country that are getting excused by the left. I see political violence marching in the streets, burning down small businesses in the name of George Floyd and others. Where is this supposed political violence that John Heileman says is there to drag Joe Biden out of the White House and lynch him or do something? I mean, this is what John Heileman is saying. Where, where is it? Where is it? I, I don't see it. I don't see it in the country. But so much of the media is obsessed with this, and they're bringing back Hillary Clinton to claim just how anti-democratic Republicans are. This is the this is the woman who makes all sorts of claims about the deplorables. She already hates the Republicans. So where's the violence from the right? Where is it? All the media is talking about it. All the media says it's there. I haven't seen it. Could, could someone point me to it? Because right now, all of the violence I'm seeing is violence that comes from left-wing agitators marching and rioting in the streets in the name of justice, delivering injustice that the media and the left excuses. I I would like to see where it is on the right, where it's actually happening, where are the fires, where's the burnings. Doesn't seem to be there. Now, Jim, do I have a sponsor that I need to talk about? I thought so. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Friends, for several years, when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom. Now, you need to know it's one of the few legal nonprofits in America that really racks up wins in both state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. Now, since leaving my law practice, I volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues, one of the great things they do. So you can take a Supreme Court case and break it down so everybody understands it. Now, they're with me as an advertiser. They are. But I support them anyway, and I hope you would be too because I brag about them all the time on the radio anyway. What Alliance Defending Freedom does is they take your donations and they use them to help people who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the highest court of land all the way down to the local level. ADF has received a matching grant, 
So all new donors will have their gifts matched to help in the defense of freedom. What you do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson. That's adflegal.org slash E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. You'll see my face. I'm sorry. You'll see my face. You can donate today. adflegal.org slash Erickson. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you wish to be on the program, glad to have you with me. Y'all, Andrew Cuomo is gone. Now Chris Cuomo is gone. And now Chris Cuomo's producer at CNN, this story just doesn't make any sense to me. Because I I have an idea of what people at CNN make because I used to work there years ago. Chris Cuomo's producer was apparently grooming young girls and sexually abusing them, including a nine-year-old who he apparently convinced her mother that the girl needed someone to essentially um, get her used to it. It's just a horrific, bizarre story that flew him across state lines, paid him money, put him in a Tesla, had him at his second home. How? how there's got to be more than. How does this guy have that love, that line of money? How does this guy have that much money? It just seems that maybe there's something else going on. And you know, this comes at a time that um, you got the Atlantic saying there's no such thing as as child trafficking in this country. But how does a CNN producer afford to drop several thousand dollars repeatedly for child sex trafficking, have a second home he paid $1.8 million for, plus a Tesla? Leave some questions that need to be answered. Now, I want to tell you, uh, as we close out the year, Omaha Steaks has the perfect gift for you guys. For $99.99, it's a 60% savings now. You get four bacon-wrapped fillets, four boneless chicken breasts, four Omaha Steak Burgers, four Gourmet Jumbo Franks, four Caramel Apple Tartlets, a jar of Omaha Steak Seasoning, and eight Omaha Steak Burgers added for free, plus something new, the Steakhouse Hash Browns from Omaha Steaks. We've had scallop potatoes in the past. These hash browns are fantastic. You need to give them a whirl. Uh, What you do is you go to omahasteaks.com and you put Eric in the search bar. You have the bacon wrap place. We actually had the Omaha Steak Burgers again last night. So go to omahasteaks.com, put Eric in the search bar. You get the perfect gift. It's $99.99. It's 60% savings, and you get a pile of food plus eight of their burgers for free. omahasteaks.com, Eric in the search bar. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 